Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Andrew. And this is Josh. It is April 20th, still in the trenches of lockdown here in Ottawa and Ontario. It's the Happy 420 Podcast, even though you'll hear it days later and it means nothing Yeah. (laughs) It's strange. Like, I have no association with the 420 movement because I am a square. Well, except selling snacks to people who smoke, I guess. Yeah, except for taking advantage of stone people on a 420 and selling them snacks. That's good, though. But I admit today, just with being on social media a bit, posting some Mayfair stuff and seeing people talk about Big Lebowski, I admit today it is blue as it is all the time during this lockdown. But I'm like, oh, we would be having a really fun, packed Big Lebowski screening tonight that probably somebody cool would be sponsoring and we'd have beer and food there and there'd be people in cosplay and all this kind of stuff. So it's one of those things where you just got to be like, next year will be awesome. We promise we'll be back. Yeah. And the people demand the white Russians. They're like, why don't you have the white Russians? I was like every year, we're like, all right, we got beer. Like beer's good. You can have the beer. <laughs> There's beer in that movie. Yeah, that's true. That was funny. Yeah. Because we had white Russians, but I think it was just with our minimal staff, one bartender, and keeping up with the milk-booze ratio (laughs) was way more difficult than just handing people beer. Yeah. It sold out in like 20 minutes or something too, I feel like. It was some crazy thing. Yeah, I really think it's now that we've kind of hit the stride of 420, not only being a thing, but also with legalization in full stride now and likely continuing forever i think the 420 big lebowski thing is just going to be like rocky horror halloween or it's a wonderful life at christmas i think it's going to be Mm -hmm. a true annual tradition now and there's thought of you know oh let's switch it up and play a cheech and chong and that might seem fun on paper but you're like nah let's just play the masterpiece that is big lebowski once a year yeah hopefully we can do like half-baked one time or something i know there's been some rumblings but it's tough we did do Half-Baked once. We did it, I think, in a double bill with Fast Times at Richmond High, like, many years ago. Oh, man. Tell me it did well. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I, so. no, I'd say tell me that. I didn't say it was true. Ah, uh, I wish. <laughs> That's always the heartbreaking thing when people learn that double bills don't do well and their favorite cult movie isn't popular enough to draw more than 15 people. I blame Fast Times. It wasn't Half-Baked's fault. It did its best. God, I haven't seen Half-Baked except for on VHS in, what, the year 2000? When was that? A long time ago? I had a VHS copy, like, years ago, and I watched it a lot. It's fun. Like, it's a funny movie. Like, it's stupid, but it's, there's great gags. Yeah, it kind of, it's a stoner movie, but kind of makes fun of stoner culture at the same time. Yeah, great cameos, too. There's some good stuff in it, and a very young and skinny, pre-buff Dave Chappelle. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. <laughs> like, very young, very... No, he's the same. He looks the same. <laughs> Bob Saget in one of the funniest cameos ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> John Stewart, too. Like, Yeah, everybody in that movie looks about 22 years old. They're so young. And, <laughs> and, and because they've been in front of a TV or a movie screen for us all these years later, it's always... You feel that passage. You're like, oh, that is 20 years ago. Yeah, it's pretty striking. I saw Bob Saget when I was working at Blues Fest one summer three or four years ago and it was this bizarre three o'clock in the afternoon on a sunny sunday in the midst of this music festival and he was probably just because of scheduling he was on the biggest stage that would usually have giant backdrops in a big 20-piece band 
and there was this guy sitting on a stool playing guitar and telling rude jokes. And it was one of the funniest stand-up things I'd ever seen. I never, I was just, I don't know if I was just not the right age or just didn't care, but I never watched Full House. I don't know him as a sitcom guy at all. So it's funny that he has this more mature following now from stuff like Half Baked and what was the movie he directed with Norm MacDonald? Uh, Dirty Work. Dirty Work. (laughs) Yeah, funny movie. That's another one that's so stupid, but like some really funny stuff. Yeah. He got to direct that one movie and it flopped hard. And I think that just put him in director jail. And it was like, well, good try, Bob. Go back to TV. Go back to stand up. Which is weird because that's a big cult movie now. Like, I mean, well, I don't know about big. It definitely has a wide audience at this point. It's pretty funny how that worked out. Yeah, I like that one too. But that's another example of I wonder if we screened that, would anybody come? Maybe because of Norm. Norm's a good Mm -hmm. local boy gone big. We love that movie. I remember probably when I was like, in my mid twenties or something, we used to watch it all because it was hard to get for a while. And then when, when it came out on DVD, we all rejoiced and bought copies for seven bucks or whatever it was. There really are some really solid moments in that movie. I have to say, if you're a fan of such, you know, ribald humor. Yeah. It's very, very, uh, very crude. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking about it the other day. Like there's some great bits is like he meets this woman and he never gets her name. And then, so he sees her the next day and he's like, Mildred, Mildred and she's like oh you must have forgot my name it's actually Kate and he's like oh no you just didn't tell me so I guessed it (laughs) (laughs) it's just like stuff like that and he loves his prostitute jokes yeah definitely yeah and Don Rickles too is great in that yeah he plays the movie theater uh manager see so we tied that in to Mayfair (laughs) he's Josh (laughs) yeah I am a regular (laughs) always insulting us (laughs) regular Don Rickles Mm. when I was at the theater today bumped into Marcus who was there just doing some checkups on the machines because it's this weird time we're in where we got the spare time on our hands and our projectionist doesn't have to worry about working around screenings and other such things so it's it is a silver lining that the projector is going to be just at peak efficiency when we get back to rolling (laughs) movies on it he's got to like blow the dust off of it essentially yeah turn it off and on again and he said he was tinkering with the 35 millimeter projectors too just i think almost at a hobbyist level but also because sooner or later we'll have some film going through those as well but i found a bunch of trailers which is kind of neat and they've just been sitting there collecting dust but i was doing some cleaning and found a box and marcus said there's a whole bunch upstairs so we're going to go through them and find the good ones but some are just destroyed sadly but i found snippets of one It's just like a title card. Imagine like a 1950s trailer in that kind of font that they use. And on this like block of 12 frames or so, it says those terrific rock pretty baby kids. Yeah, it looks like um, like a juvenile delinquent movie or uh, (laughs) maybe like a 50s rock and roll kind of thing. It's such a weird sentence. It doesn't roll off the tongue. (laughs) I Googled it a few uh, of patrons suggestions that they sent our way and a few film nerds I think are correct in thinking it's a movie called Summer Love because there's something on the poster that is very close to that what I just said there but it's not on YouTube it's not like I tried Summer Love trailer I tried looking at a few movie sites so the trailer is not on the internet that I could find but it seems like it's a 1950s trailer which is fascinating in that of itself of these little film strips were hiding underneath poster tubes and they're 1950s movies and that's kind of neat that they're just these little bits of treasure left behind okay so i'm i'm on imdb <laughs> that didn't take long 
Oh, the magic of the internet. Okay, so <laughs> Summer Love, those rock pretty baby kids are back. That's what the trailer says. Oh, that's so close. No, it says those terrific rock pretty baby kids. <laughs> so creepy. Well, if if that if it is Summer Love, it's got John Saxon. Oh. And Rod McEwen and Faye Ray from King Kong. So it's it's got a pretty good cast. God, if anybody out there has a trailer sitting on like a TCM thing that they downloaded or a movie compilation thing like that, let us know because I'm just curious now. I just want to find it. So all signs point towards it is this summer love movie. But yeah, I found that. And it's so funny, complete opposite. Another chunk of film that was left behind is the credit title card from Naked Gun Two and a Half. And it's just like the credits on black. But then we've got a ton of trailers, some of which we will never get rid of because it's like old Jackie Chan trailers or E.T. or Jurassic Park, stuff like that. Black exploitation stuff. We'll never get rid of that. But we're going to investigate because some patrons have requested if we had any kind of Mayfair adjacent memorabilia, they'd love to have it. So we might garage sale some stuff off as well. And some of it might just be almost like a kinder egg. Here's some trailers. But if we find deuce bigelow where it's like we don't want that and you know we're never going to show that in a best of reel but somebody might just want to buy a trailer from us to say hey this was at the mayfair so we'll keep everybody posted on that but they're just fun they're just cool to have these old pieces of movie history sitting on a shelf and especially that some of them are real rarities so real real haha <laughs> And, and it's funny because Deuce Bigelow is another dumb movie that I enjoyed as well. I don't know why you keep naming these movies, but <laughs> you're really, it's a best of of crap I've loved. I'm psychic. That'd be good in a double bill with American Gigolo. Yeah. Because yeah. that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> yeah, but better, right? American Gigolo with Rob Schneider. It has some laughs. Like, I mean, I feel like I'm defending all these turds of movies, <laughs> but like there's some great stuff in there, I swear. And while we're actually talking about Mayfair-related things, it's quite special this week because for the first time during this round of lockdown, we could actually talk about some screenings, not at the Mayfair, but we're doing some more virtual events. We're doing some kind of extra special events that you can rent tickets to and watch at home. And then Mayfair gets a nice cut of the ticket profits. So we're hosting three different Oscar shorts categories. So you can rent tickets to watch the live action shorts, the documentary shorts, or the animated shorts. Or you can get all three. If you get all three, you get a discount on the tickets, and it's over six hours of content. So it's lots of watching that you can do while you're stuck at home during this lockdown. And it's just people like participating, people like helping out the Mayfair during these times. And it's just a fun thing to chat about online, to get the word out there. And in this case, these short filmmakers are not the stars winning the actor and actress and director awards. So I'm sure a cut of this ticket is going to help some independent filmmakers as well, which is an extra nice thing. Yeah, they look awesome. I mean, you got to hope they're nominated for Oscars, so they're good. But, you know, I haven't seen them, so I can't vouch. But that's a really cool package of stuff. Yeah, and the patrons seem really excited about it. It's always fun when we do very little work in this sense, except for kind of contacting the powers that be and doing a few emails. but. It's nice when someone says, oh, thanks for getting this. We really want to see this and that people throw a couple bucks our way and get to watch something cool at home. So maybe we'll have more such things. But by the time you listen to this podcast in the few days leading up to the Oscars or in the days afterwards, you can check out all of these Oscar nominated shorts, which is pretty cool. Agreed. I concur. 
Yeah, it's like, you know, much like everything else, I agree. But I actually am looking forward to watching those. I was surprised to see uh, another like virtual presentation. I had a lot of fun with those. As much as the pandemic sucks, I, I did enjoy the virtual screenings. Yeah, and it's the first year in a long time. The first year since 2009, I guess, that I won't be at the Mayfair wrangling the Oscar night, which is such a fun thing because there's always a batch of us filling out the ballots and whoever gets the most right wins some prizes. There's always some hosting duties going on with Lee or myself or some of the other staff. There's contests and best dress and it's always a packed house. And and so it's, it's another thing that we're sad to miss out on this year, but we'll be back for 2022 for our big 90th anniversary ongoing celebration but it'll be weird it's been so long since i've sat at home and watched the oscars it's true and the pizza too was always nice oh those are good times i destroyed those slices last year (laughs) (laughs) they expected it you know but still now you just gotta do it at home like a chump eating pizza yeah it's true well i guess what i hadn't thought about before was are the oscars gonna adjust the timing every year now or is this like a one-off or are they going to have to, is it kind of like the NBA season, they had it differently, but they're trying for the next year to get it back on track to the way it normally would be. So I just don't know if the Oscars are going to fluctuate at all because of this or whatnot. Yeah, it'll be weird going forward, especially will they be a bit more lenient with other things as well? Like I know that, for example, the Borat movie was essentially straight to Amazon, but it's nominated for some stuff. So will they do that again? I think maybe once cinemas are reopened, it'll be easier for them to just say like, yeah, we were at a couple festivals and whatever the rules are, you know, we were at a few screens for two weeks. Like it won't be hard to get those kind of caliber movies into screens for the the minimal amount of time, especially with that. I haven't followed up on this because it kind of happened right before COVID happened, but I know Netflix was in the process of buying some cinemas I think essentially just for that, but I think it's kind of neat too. Like if there was a cinema in town and I wasn't Mayfair related that was just playing the stuff that's hitting Netflix, that's a lot of big caliber stuff. So Mm -hmm. that could happen. But yeah, the dates will be interesting because I forget, but didn't they say like if your movie was released in January or February 2021, it still counts for this year's Oscars, I think? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They've laxed the rules. That's more of an Andrew question though. Oh, I don't even rem- remember the rules. I mean, I don't pay too much attention to the Oscars anymore. <laughs> yeah. The truth comes out. I'm too busy watching old stuff, really. That's true. That's kind of all of us, mostly. Especially Lee. I mean, he's cornering the market. I did watch The Father with Anthony Hopkins. Oh, good? Which I, re- which I really liked. And he's excellent in that. So, he's, you know, he earned his nomination for sure. Oh, yeah. And yeah, will next year be like only eight months of movies it'll be it'll be straight it's always weird because it's always that too of say at the mayfair traditionally we might not get a movie that is a 2020 movie until 2021 or sometimes we'll get a ottawa premiere new film and it might be a 2018 movie that comes out in 2021 so it's, it's always that weird blur of what counts like if it's at festivals first does it count as a 2020 movie or if it's released in 2021 why does that count it's There's all these rules you can kind of skirt around depending on where you want to have your movie fall for award consideration. Yeah, it'll be weird if they if it's based off of like eight months next year, then couldn't people be like, well, that's not fair because last year these other people got an extra four months or whatever, you know, like. And like, I I don't think we're going back. I think going forward, it's going to be more and more of here's this big new movie. It's on a streaming service and in a cinema the same day. 
I don't think that's going to go away. And I know some people in Hollywood hate that. So will that be something that gets kind of tricked out a bit more if someone puts their foot down and is like, nope, you have to not be on a streaming service at the same time? Or will they just kind of wake up and be like, look, Scorsese's doing it, so uh, we're going to let it slide? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And they were just saying Rob Zombie's working on a Munsters movie, which is going to be direct to Peacock. Oh, God. Which is, I think, NBC's streaming thing. I don't even remember. Yeah. There's so many of them now. I'm like, I don't know. It's on something. That's where you watch the new Saved by the Bell. Oh, God. Yeah, definitely. That's where I find myself. Although that brings, I did watch an interesting documentary, a Hulu documentary called Kid 90. Oh, I've heard of that. And it's about Soleil Moon Fry. So Soleil Moon Fry, I guess, for like 20 years, she just filmed everything when she was a kid, kind of up to well, 20 years on, and like never looked at the footage again. And then, so this was like a documentary of her going back through. And it's got all this footage of all the kid stars of that day, like Jonathan Brandis and, you know, DiCaprio and all these guys. And so many of them are no longer with us. And it's, it's just like, I know very little about Soleil Moon Fry, and I didn't think I'd care. I've never seen Punky Brewster, but oh my God, that was a really good documentary. Like it's so, it just kind of like puts things in perspective, I guess. It was sad and uplifting, I guess. Any actor or actress who made it through that time, and even if they're not a big celebrity now, but if they're just alive, it's very impressive because Mm -hmm. very sadly, so many didn't make it through. I think she's right around the same age of river phoenix or like drew barrymore who barely got out alive the Corys, where one's still with us one's not with us all these people who were real big kind of pop icon stars at the time so yeah that she made it through and is still working today even though that she's not a caliber of leo dicaprio i'm sure is impressive yeah i would totally watch that i like that kind of stuff it's shocking like i'm sure there's shots in there of like a bunch of 13 year olds at some raving party with cigarettes in their hands and beer in their hands and you're like oh yeah what's happening Yeah, it's pretty wild. And especially just like, there's even one guy who's literally like, I don't really want to live. Can you shut the camera off? And then he he killed himself a few weeks later. I I don't want to be a downer, but just just to say like, because she was watching and she was just like, I feel so the signs were there and I just didn't see it. And I I mean, nobody did. It happens to, you know, all of us eventually, I guess. But it was really sobering to see stuff like that, though. Well, you can see when a young actor gets out of Hollywood just because they're either like, ah, making movies isn't fun, or I don't like these people around here. And then you see that they had a nice, happy life, like the actress who played Newt in Aliens. That's the only thing she ever did. And from what I understand, she just got a real bad vibe. Like she didn't like agents and managers in the Hollywood premiere. And that's all she did. And I know she keeps in touch with Sigourney Weaver and she lives somewhere very not Hollywood and is a teacher and has a family and everything's fine. But Sometimes you see stuff like that and you're like, yeah, that's probably not the worst idea. No. Or uh, Danny from The Shining. He went the same route, I think. Oh, yeah. Kubrick ruined him. (laughs) Well, geez, that's a whole other thing. Like, I mean, but he was pretty good with the kid, though. I feel like I've heard that. Am I imagining that? I thought like he got along pretty well with Danny, but it was like he butted heads with the rest of the cast. I don't know. Yeah, it's strange when there's that illusion, you know, like, wow, you get into Hollywood. That's it. You're set. It's amazing. Why would you ever leave it? And you're like, oh, right, because of all that horrible things that, well, we see it more and more right now. Like, we're really in the throes of that in a very good way of all these horrible guys in Hollywood finally be accountable for what they did. And and you imagine that was happening 
you know, for the whole time, as we've said before, like everybody's been horrible in Hollywood for a hundred years. Yeah, well, it's pretty. I was uh, watching this show called The Morning Show on uh, Apple TV, and they kind of deal with that. It's like Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell are basically uh, newscasters for a morning show, and then he gets brought down by, by essentially by the Me Too movement. And then it's kind of a show about that, like rebounding from that and all the behind the scenes stuff. And then they're like, well, wait a minute. It wasn't just him. There was obviously a culture. And it's really like interesting to see and like very uncomfortable to watch at times. Is it Steve Carell? Like he's so good at being the bouncy personality, but then he's like being real creepy with women, like young women and stuff. And you're like, oh yeah, you're, you're a pretty good actor too. Evan Almighty. <laughs> Forgot that that existed. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. Oh man. Good shit. I'm not co-signing that one if we're talking about not great movies. I want to watch one. I heard about a new Hulu documentary, and I don't know if it's a feature or a miniseries, but it's just called Sasquatch. Hmm. And it's a true crime style documentary about some people who were murdered 20 or 30 years ago, and they claim it was from a Sasquatch. And I don't know if it's a Blair Witch thing or if it's real, but either... I really want to watch it, but I don't know how oh. to watch Hulu in Canada, but it'll show up somewhere eventually. I don't even, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued. Like you've already sparked the mystery in me here on that documentary. Yeah, it's just called Sasquatch. And I just heard about it today because I think it's on Hulu in the States today. So I'm sure it'll show up on some channel in Canada. But yeah, I'm not sure if it's a movie or a mini series, but I think it's like a true crime style thing about people who were like, yeah, Sasquatch killed those people. And I'm like, that is right in my wheelhouse of, I love Blair Witch and monsters and UFO documentaries and all that kind of stuff. How do you prove that he didn't kill them? That's the real question. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, if there were no bodies, I don't know. It's, God, why would you have to tell me about this? Now I have to see this. I did watch, uh, for the first time, I'd never seen this and I, you guys will be shocked. I'd never seen Manos in the Hands of Fate. Oh my God. Oh God. Or The Hands of Fate. I don't think it's, and it's not a band, but anyway. I, did you actually <laughs> watch it or did you watch it Mystery Science Theater style? No, I watched it for real. Like, Oh I, my God. I, I did it for a bad movie night. Well, obviously. The other three guys had all seen it, but I think they'd all seen just the Mystery Science Theater. And so this was the like nice, the 4K, well, I think it was 4K, but it was a nice restoration. Yeah, it's actually been beautifully restored like it's Citizen Kane. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, so that's the only version I've ever seen. So to me, I really liked it. And I was like, it's like 70 minutes. It's like perfect Josh timing, you know, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't overstay its welcome. And like, it's terrible, of course, but like, I really enjoyed it. And we watched the sequel that they made 40 years later. And it's like the young girl from the original, I think she wrote or directed it or something like that. And so the they get a bunch Debbie? of the cast. Back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> The snack cakes were a lot better than her performance, but still, like, it was uh, not very good. They mentioned Sharknado in the first few minutes of the sequel, and I was like, boys, what, what are you doing here? You just completely dated your movie here. But yeah, I will say, like, I, maybe I should have seen Manos the way it's meant to be seen, which is garbage and 8mm, 16mm all over the place, different colors. But the restoration version was uh, a delight. It'll be interesting. You should totally go watch the MST3K version now and see how you feel about that yeah because you're a rarity most people who watch that movie see it in a rift version first no i would I'd, I'd watch it again i really liked the like assistant character or whatever i can't remember his name but he torgo yeah it's, Tor <laughs> it's like igor basically yeah he's the igor he was amazing like that guy and then he died right after the movie i think like two people in that movie died yeah it's I mean, I'm not surprised. Like, I think maybe the wife too or something like, I think you can read about the making of that film and it's quite a story. 
Yeah, it was something. Like, I will say, uh, well, not Manos. I can't remember the bad guy's actual name. It's not Manos, but he's still alive. The Master? The Master, yeah, whatever they call him. And so he's, I think he's dead now, but he was alive long enough to make a sequel, and then he died right afterwards. So they kept up the streak, I guess. I think it's when Gwen and I were in Philly seeing Mystery Science Theater Live that there was somebody there in a Torgo cosplay manosing it up. I could pull it off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's just like a homeless costume, sort of. Like he doesn't, he's not super noteworthy. He looks kind of like a drifter, I guess. But yeah, he. Oh my god, like, like that just it was too much. If it was ninety minutes, I don't think I would have liked it as much. But just it was short enough that I enjoyed it. Yeah, they mustn't have cut that much out because Mystery Science Theater. It's part of the whole shtick. Like it's in their theme song almost, where they there's certain scenes missing, and they'll do that for pacing or because there's a big part that's they can't riff anything funny off of or whatever because Mr. Science Theater, each episode is 90 minutes, but that also includes the host segments in between and the mad scientist segments at the beginning and the end. But if it was only 70 minutes, they might not have had to cut out very much to fit it into their format. There's plenty to rip on that's there. So, I mean, (laughs) I'm sure it's a funny episode. So I'm going to mention this before we We still haven't got our 10-minute warning, but it should be coming any second now. But while I'm thinking of it, so I don't got to rush through it, I'm going to mention that we actually have a sponsor this week. Oh. So Filler Academy is an anime podcast where two Ottawa-based nerds watch filler episodes of anime and find out what's the good, the bad, and the cringy. You can listen on Spotify, Apple, Google, Podbean, or wherever your favorite podcast app is. You can find them on Twitter at Filler Academy or email filleracademy at gmail.com. So I'm not super big on anime, but I told the person who booked this ad with us, I was like, this will open up a little bit of a conversation because one of my biggest Mayfair movie memories is watching a little anime masterpiece called Yuratsuga Doshi, Legend of the Overfiend. And by happenstance, I saw it right before I headed out to Vancouver to go to film school. And the joke was that I was so put in a state of shock and offensive aftermath by watching this movie that I moved to BC because on the poster, it was like banned in BC because it was it was anime that gives anime a bad name. I don't, have you guys seen that movie? No, but I, I know of its reputation. No, I thought you were going to say Akira. Yeah, it's... Jeez, maybe I should watch it or shouldn't. You could watch it for your bad movie night, but be warned that it's, you know, everything about anime with horrible things happening to like Sailor Moon looking kids and tentacles and other X-rated nature type of stuff is all in there. And I don't think it's a solo movie. I think it's like part of a series. So that's my anime memory at the Mayfair. And then more recently we had... And by more recently, I'm like a couple years ago, but we had one called Belladonna of Sadness. Oh, that was a good one. And that was a fun, like, lost movie that hadn't been on screen for a long time that we got digitally restored and went out to Mayfair-type theaters. Yeah, what was the name of that evil movie you mentioned? The evil movie was called Yuratsuga Doshi, Legend of the Overfiend. Well, that, yeah, that was like a big Mayfair hit, wasn't it? Yeah, one of those movies that, like, I mean, what's a horribly offensive thing? Almost like uh, <laughs> like Human Centipede. Like, people were like, oh, my God, this is going to be horrible. I'm going to come see this. Or Serbian film. Oh, God. Yeah, totally something in that era. And I think, I bet you there was people who going to see it thinking like, oh, this is going to be Akira. And it is not Akira. It is not an actual good movie. 
No, that's true. Even Ninja Scroll is probably less offensive than this. Oh, yeah. And that had some good offensive stuff in it, too. Oh, yeah. There's some it's unpleasant moments. I'm hoping that with... It's tough to say because Disney put all of the Studio Ghibli movies... Studio Ghibli movies? I always get that mixed up on Disney+. Plus, But there's still that audience. Like, as I've said, we don't need 10,000 people to come. We just need... 50 people, 100 people for a screening. And I know there's that audience out there who would love to see that type of anime up on our screen. Yeah, we've shown some good stuff. We had that sweet, like, standee in the lobby. Yeah, we had a good run of stuff for a little while. I'm sure it'll return. It is the good example of the digital revolution is not something to be completely scared of because it means a lot of these movies get restored. I was going to say the filler episode, there, the filler uh, podcast thing. I just wanted to say that I wonder, do they, they must do more than one episode per episode, right? You got to just blast through some. And, and plus, like, you don't know it's a filler episode until you watch the episodes. And then they're like, oh, but it wasn't a filler episode. I'm very intrigued by this. Maybe they've watched the whole series because they're anime mm. nerds. So they know that there's little standalone episodes the same way that there are in Star Trek or whatever. That's that's smart. Most middle episodes of old TV shows, basically. This is the best ad ever, because now one of the hosts is actually like, I got to tune into this podcast. It's true. Well, I mean, even you did tell me about this the other day, and I was kind of like, wait, so do they already know if they're filler, or do they just hope they <laughs> yeah. are? Because what if they start a series and they're like, oh, damn it, every episode is a banger. Like, we're, we're screwed now. <laughs> okay, we got just under five minutes left before we get kicked off of the magic of the internet. You guys want to give a quick recommendation of something you saw in the last week or so oh yeah andy you go first well i guess if we're, we're talking mayfair movies like movies that we would normally show i'd recommend the father with anthony hopkins very sad movie but very very powerful and moving and anthony hopkins is terrific in it and so is olivia coleman oh she's great yeah oh yeah yeah so that's under the classification of movie that i know i should see but i'm kind of scared to see because It'll just make me so sad. But yeah, I kind of felt the same about Nomadland last week, or that is a movie we would be screening right now if not for this stupid pandemic. My real recommendation is Horror Noir, that awesome documentary on black horror movies. Oh, yeah. My side one is Mr. Boogity and Bride of Boogity, which we rewatched because as it turns out, Mr. Boogity was the movie that scarred me and got me into horror as a kid. And Bride of Boogity was the movie that scarred my wife. And I don't know about got her into horror, but you know, the scarring though. So we had that. I was like, oh, that's, that's so wild. That was a fun tie-in. We should totally get married. <laughs> the first one's not feature, right? The first one's like Disney right. special of the week, but the second one- 45 minutes. Is feature? Mm -hmm, exactly. That's so weird. Yeah, and Eugene Levy's in the second one. So that's a warning. Not that they need publicity, but I do think it's neat that Disney just full on was like, we're putting on all these weird old Disney specials and after school mm -hmm. things. And we're putting on a, a chunk of the Star Wars holiday special, like just everything. So that's kind of cool. What's your recommendation? This movie does not need any help, but I saw Godzilla versus Kong. Oh, the reason I saw it is because for some reason I got a 99 cent coupon to rent a movie and I was like, this won't work on a $30 rental. And it did. <laughs> so that's weird because I'm way too cheap to pay 30 bucks to watch a movie. But yeah, so Godzilla Kong, I genuinely liked it. Gwen really liked it as well. We were watching it and like actually cheering and, and having a good time. And there's a couple of spoiler twists and turns in it that I did not expect that I really enjoyed as a Godzilla nerd. I really like the director. I didn't know that it was from the guy who did the most recent Blair Witch that I really liked a lot. Yeah, and he's doing Thundercats next, so yeah, that'll be good. It's another example of somebody doing little no-budget stuff and then getting 
promote it up and saying, hey, what would you do with way more money? You're next and the guests are both really good too. Yeah, I liked all his stuff. So, And Godzilla Kong is just, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> but it very easily could have just been kind of boring or just too violent. But I thought the characters are pretty good. I thought I really liked Kong. You know, the script, they do what they can, but it actually had some fun twists and turns that they didn't need to put in there because they could have just had the two monsters punching each other for 90 minutes. Still good. But yeah, I liked it a lot. And I would, knowing that this guy's doing Thundercats, which is a franchise that I have no association with, I'm like, I will watch Thundercats now. Damn right. And it's a movie that I'm glad is kind of saving Hollywood because it'll prove that, yes, Hollywood can still make mainstream movies and release them after this lockdown year is over. Thank God. Oh, the final minute. Final minute. Okay, I'm going to say a happy birthday to our friends at House of Targ. They had their seventh birthday this week and sad that we can't celebrate with a cool concert and some kind of crossover event next year. Another thing to say next year about. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with another episode of the podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check all those places for information on virtual screenings and kind of garage sale stuff we're doing, marquee rentals. And we'll see you next week for another edition of the Lockdown Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Now find me a Nicolas Cage 35mm trailer next. Oh, yeah. I know we've got one. Hey, we did it. Hooray. Oh, that was close. We probably have like 10 seconds. Probably. We're going to be cut out any second now. It's terrifying to watch. It's like Mission Impossible. Ever since you was a kid. Hand over the milk money. I'm afraid I can't do that, Derek. I'm just not sure you'll spend it on milk. Mitch was only good at one thing. You are the king of revenge. Now he's making it a business. That was really funny, sticking the cops on us like that. I thought it was funny, but I'm surprised you guys did. So if you need revenge... Let us do your dirty work. Call the professionals. They'll give you the shirt off their back. Ah! Dirty Work. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday, June 12th.